Welcome to another edition of the Carbolane Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Tech Services, Mr. Paula James. Paul, so Dylan was not impressed with his big break last week. Um, hey, yeah, neither was Emmy. The story that I got from his mother is that they were playing it in the car, and immediately upon hearing his own voice, he earmuffed himself and tried to pretend like it wasn't happening. Emmy tried turning down the radio and putting the windows down so that she couldn't hear the actual words as they were going. I thought they did great. I don't understand. I guess such is life of being a middle schooler where everything <laughs> is embarrassing and especially their fathers. That's right. I, I threatened her that I was going to play it in her car when we had her friends in the car with us, too. Oh, I told him I was going to email the whole school. <laughs> Brentwood Middle School all. <laughs> I wasn't quite that that evil yet with her, but I'll reserve that one for future use. I mean, I've just decided as a father, if I'm going to be uncool, I'm going to own it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to wrap up our tank lining series today. But before we do that, how do they get a hold of us, Paul? They can get us at technical service at carboline.com. You can also get us on Twitter, Jack's at Jack underscore CTSP. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. Go ahead, write into us. We've been getting some feedback. It's good. We're getting some topic ideas. In fact, that's how this whole tank lining series started. It was uh, an email from one of our listeners, and we put it together. And uh, yeah, I think it was actually two or three different ones that all kind of hit on the same topic. And we said, you know what? This might be just a series Mm -hmm. to be able to keep them all related because they were related, but not in one episode. So we kind of want to, since we, we went over a lot of information in the last three episodes, we kind of just want to come back to it and wrap it up and talk about all the different things, just kind of hit the highlights from each of our different episodes here on tank lining. The first thing we want to talk about today is the information required before we make a coding recommendation, a lining recommendation. And and the things that we all talked about before is we want to know the commodity, whether that's the SDS or you know exactly the concentration of your chemical, if it's got any particulate matter in there. We would like to know, is this a new or an existing tank? What's our substrate going to be like? Are we going to have to worry about decontamination to start with? Or are we starting with new clean steel and we just have standard cleaning and uh, abrasive blasting? One of the things that people always need to know about is the temperature of said storage commodity. What temperature are you storing that commodity at? And that's very important because molecules are more active when they're hotter. So they cause yep. more corrosion. Yeah, the corrosion rate dramatically accelerates as the temperature goes up. Some of the other things we need to look at is what is the duration of this storage going to be? Is this a short-term temporary storage tank or is this going to be long-term storage at a facility and this is the permanent commodity? One of the other things we want to look at is the actual tank design itself and that probably could be a whole other episode all by itself. I really Uh, think there could. We're not going to do that now. However, the tank design is very important. And the thing that you kind of want to take away from the tank design, NACE SPO 178, is what you really want to avoid is having any kind of sharp edges on your construction. Right. It's hard to build film on top of those sharp edges in order to get that steel protected in that particular area. That's right, Jack. That sure is. As we move out of the... How do we make a recommendation? What are our needs to make that recommendation? The next thing we wanted to look at was 
the chemistry of the linings that we might be choosing from to make those recommendations. We used a fence analogy. We said that basically as you chose your different chemistry of your lining, basically the molecule structure changed and what we're always looking for is a tight cross link. So we use a chain link fence as an example versus chicken wire and then looked at our commodity as different size balls. So the thing that really to take away from that is that everything's permeable to a certain extent and the smaller the molecule of your commodity, the tighter cross link we need from your lining. That's right. Most people don't really want to think about it that way, but water is incredibly hard because it is a very small molecule. We're looking at, you know, two atoms of, of hydrogen and one of oxygen. It's one of the smallest molecules that we deal with. And when we look into it, the more pure the water is, the more difficult it is on a lining. So demineralized, deionized water is much more aggressive towards a lining. It's much more active in its permeability into the lining than say salt water or a brine that you would be looking at. And don't get me wrong, at Carbline, we have the solution for those storage commodities, but uh, it is, you know, talking about it generically, there are some different challenges that you have with those molecule sizes. So that is why when we're when somebody comes in and talks about, hey, we're going to have a water tank, whether it be a fire water tank or a brine, whatever that water solution might be, some of the first ones that we really look at, we look at the phenalkamines. They're fantastic in water. They've got a nice tight cross link. They dry very fast. They cure for service very quickly. And they've got great cold temperature uses. Most of them go down to 20 degrees, some of them even lower than 20 degrees. And they're even resistant to water during application. Yeah. Then we take a look at cycloaliphatics. And as Chris told us in episode two, it's probably the most commonly used uh, curative for our epoxies. It really is. And I think one of the things that we see with that is it's it's kind of the backbone in a lot of the other uh, epoxy resins that we use. And it's incorporated into those even at percentages, if not the entire thing. The next thing we want to take a look at is, is we talked about Novolac epoxies. And with the Novolac epoxies, that's really where we get into our extremely tight cross-linking and it gives us good acid resistance. It really does. One of the things that a Novolac, the property of a Novolac is in its raw material before we actually react it with anything, it's very, very thick. And that's part of the reason why in a, in a lot of Novolac resin systems, you'll see them in heated applications, like a heated plural application, primarily because those are very thick. There's a lot of density to the molecule structure that's in there and they get tangled up on themselves. That's the reason why they are so resistant is they're already tangled up. There's a lot of reactive sites and they're long chains. So they help to cause for a lot of, as Chris was telling us, there's a lot of functional sites on a Novolac. Sure. And, you know, I said they're good for acids, but they're, they're really good for a lot of things. They're, they're good for caustics. They're good for hotter storage commodities. Um, the Novolacs really are the workhorse of the epoxy family. Uh, they are the most chemical resistant epoxies that you have. They're also excellent at high temperatures. And the real problem, or I guess downside to them is they're expensive, which is why you don't put them into everyday uses if you don't have to. Hey man, if it works, sometimes you just got to pay. That's right. Yeah. Baked phenolics. Now those we talked about with Chris being like Novolac adjacents, like they're the cure at a high temperature, you know, the baking process. And I guess we can get into that a little bit. A lot of these products you apply 
some of them are single components even some are plural components and then after you apply them you have to put them through a force cure they have to be baked at a certain temperature i usually like to think of especially with the single components heat is the second component it, it's really what is needed to over overcome that that obstacle of what causes this to to dry or to cure exactly in because of this tight cross-linking that they get through the baked curing process, the, the forced heat curing process, they are really resistant to acids. The other thing we have to think about when we're talking about acid resistance is vinyl esters. When we look at vinyl esters, the, the benefit that they have over a baked phenolic is they don't require heat to achieve their cure. They do have a lot of downsides that they bring to a job site. They're stinky. They put off a lot of solvent. They have short pot lives. They have very aggressive reactions that they'll go through if you leave them sitting in a pot. So there's a lot of things that that make them unfriendly for the workplace, but they have fantastic acid resistance. And usually they have excellent abrasion resistance as well. Sometimes it's from the resin itself. Sometimes it's from the additives that are put in it. But on a whole, they really do well in acidic and abrasive conditions. That's one thing I kind of want to differentiate here too between like vinyl esters and Novlax, specifically when it comes to sulfuric acid. We talked about briefly how sulfuric acid is kind of backwards from everything else that you think of in your life. When you when you talk about high percentages of sulfuric acid, it's actually less corrosive than the low percentages of sulfuric acid. So the Novolax we tend to use on the high percentages, but when we get into real low percentages of sulfuric acid, we have to move over to the vinyl esters. That's right. And along with sulfuric acid, hydrochloric is another one that's really aggressive. And standard maximum concentrations for hydrochloric acid is around 37 to 39%. That's the standard maximum um, you may see a 40-ish from time to time. In those situations, it's a vinyl ester. That's every, what we recommend every day for it. Yep, the Novolax max out in the, about the 15 to 20% yep. uh, concentration storage. And when we need to hit that 37%, we look at the Novolax vinyl ester, where Correct. we've combined the two of them together to really get the best of both. So now I think we've talked enough chemistry for a lifetime at this point, and uh, we can move on to, we talked about, blisters last week and, and failures of tank lining. We talked about osmosis. That really is the, the main driving force between most tank lining failures that aren't application related. If the painters did a good job and if the product of the, the lining was the right choice for the commodity that was in it, typically the failure that we're going to see if, if those two were in check is going to be osmotic blister related. So somebody who doesn't work on the technical side of our company I asked last week, they listened to the episode and I said, so did you learn anything? And she said, blisters are like people blisters, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, if, if it works, you know, I guess it's, it's not the most pleasurable analogy to use, but, but really all we're trying to do is to make things in an understandable rate. And if that's, if that worked, that we were able to communicate it in a way that somebody who doesn't deal with this was able to understand it. I, hey, that's great. Now, one thing you talked about application related um, failures, and we, we kind of touched on this, I think, in the first episode with Bill, but we get this all the time here in tech service. People want to brush and roll linings. And 
Bill touched on why we want to spray because when you when you spray, you're going to get the best application of these products. Right. The actual phrase that that Bill brought up was monolithic film. Correct. Basically, meaning the whole thing is one big piece. So if we were to have applied it over, let's a release agent, you could peel that whole tank lining out, and it would be one big piece of plastic. The important thing to think about when we spray that we didn't really touch on before when we spray a lining. You apply the entire recommended thickness typically in one or two coats. When you roll, a lot of times you're working the material so that you have a good looking coating and you end up significantly thinner than where you need to be at. If you roll and in one coat you put on the thickness that's required, whether it's a thin film or thick film epoxy, you're going to have holidays or breaks in the film. You really do. Not to mention, it it looks bad. I, sure. I know we've done some samples where we tried to really roll out 25 or 30 mils, and it was on a on a flat surface, so we didn't have to worry about it sagging or running down. And it, it looks terrible. Well, one of the things to think about is, while there is some variation for the acceptable recommended thickness of the coatings, when you roll a coating, you're going to be all over the place with your thickness. And this could have an effect on the performance. So a lot of the times when you roll, if to reduce variations, you're back rolling and you're putting on a thin coat. So now instead of one or two coats for your liner, you're looking at possibly five to seven coats. Right, right. And that's and that's for a relatively thin coating. There's a lot of times, you know, you'll see coating recommendations that are 40, 50, 60 mils. You're going to be two dozen coats trying to roll that out onto, onto a situation like that. So while you may think that you're going to save labor time on setting up and cleaning out spray equipment, you're, you're really going to, in the end, look when you look at it, use more labor time to roll apply a coating because of the number of coats that you're going to have to put on. You're probably going to have a higher loss factor with your paint material as well. Now, hey, we work for a paint company. That's right. We'll make more. You we'll keep make buying more. It. You will keep selling it to you. That's okay. But really, you want to maximize your own profit when you're putting in this lining system. And, and spraying really does do that for you. Not to mention, you're going to have more time spent on doing repairs. If this is a tank lining, they're most likely going to do holiday detection. And when you go through, if you've got pinholes, those are going to ring out when you do a holiday detection. And you're going to have to do repairs. So you're going to spend more time finishing the tank. And I, and I want to go a little bit step further on that. There should be no probably when you're doing a lining and you're installing it into chemical immersion service, you should 100% holiday test. And I think that's going to be an episode for us coming up real soon, just because we're talking about it and we can just talk about holiday testing. You'll see it more often in the lining, but you can use it for any type of coating. You really can. And one of the phrases that we use a lot here in tech service, we say pinhole free, holiday free. That really is what we're talking about. I want you to spray it on. I want you to do a holiday detection and test it, do all those repairs. So we end up with a monolithic film that's pinhole and holiday free. Every time I hear holiday, I think about going on vacation. That would be, that would be nice. I, that's how I used to think about it. <laughs> so anyway, I think we kind of quickly wrapped up all of the things that we've talked about over the previous three episodes. This 
episode, if you just listen to this episode, it'll be like reading the Cliff Notes version of a book. You may be able to get through your test or your book report, but you're really shortchanging yourself. Another thing you could do if you were listening backwards is go back and listen for these points that we just summarized again, and you can get the rest of the detail. So thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next Monday. We'll be right back.